it is a very fast changing environment. Being able to accept that it is fast changing and that it's very unnerving is critical and encouraging other people not to go into denial, regression through the emotional response. I think is critical. It is real. It is happening. We yes. do need to lead in this context. I think is absolutely essential. Uh, don't freeze. That's the last thing you need to do. Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Highland, and this is CI for Life. Welcome to another CI for Life podcast. Today's topic is remote coaching for leaders. Never before in the history of at least recent history has a need for remote coaching for better business performance needed. As we sit here in April 2020 in the middle of the current COVID-19 crisis worldwide, we are talking about remote coaching and how leaders can be more impactful uh, for where people are at and help the performance of both themselves their employees and their organizations. We've talked a lot about remote work. In episode 35 and 36, we gave you specific tips on how to work remotely. And today it'll be very specific on how to coach your employees remotely. We'll discuss with our expert panel um, and, and uh, Center for Teams individuals, five key questions. And they are, what are the potential difficulties with remote coaching? What are the best practices in remote coaching? I'll ask them what their favorite coaching book is for those that want to do more in-depth analysis and research on it. The fourth question is what topics are you finding that leaders are wanting your help in and addressing at this time? It's very specific to April 2020. And then finally, some gold from our special guest. What advice for leaders do you have in coming out of this crisis successfully? We're finding that people are ready to start thinking about how to uh, stabilize and rebound and come out. So today's special guests are well-known performance coaches who have worked remotely and uh, training and coaching executives around the world. They're gonna give us our their best practice tips and tricks next. Today's guests from Center for Teams are David Webster, chartered occupational and coaching psychologist and business performance coach, and his partner, Chris Sheepshanks, experienced business performance coach and prior media executive. David, as you'll remember, is a previous guest from CI for Life who spoke on principles for creating high-performance teams back in episode 10. Uh, David and the Center for Teams have been executive coach to RLG and we've partnered with many clients. So Chris, David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Rick. It's really good to be here again. Thank you, Rick. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to have you back. Why don't uh, both of you take just a minute and elaborate on some of your background and experience in the coaching area. Uh, Chris, why don't you start? Rick, thank you. Uh, so I have a, a bit of a varied background. I was, uh, my first career actually was in the British Army for about seven, eight years. Uh, then as an executive, uh, as you mentioned, or in media. For the last 20 years, I've been operating in the coaching and leadership development field. Uh, principally in supporting um, executives, uh, their teams, and on a more broader basis, uh, organizations and their systems in terms of developing their leadership capacity, uh, and often about actually how to support them to have more effective communication and stronger conversations in terms of how they work and operate. 
Yeah, we want to talk more about that today. Thanks, Chris, for that. David, do you want to share a little bit more about your background? Yes, well, we've been we've known each other for about 20 years now, so you know quite a bit of this already. Um, but um, I first started life at Price Waterhouse, training to be a chartered accountant. But it was a lucky escape for all that you know, I didn't make well done. make it through that. <laughs> uh, but turned my head towards coaching in the mid 90s and started uh, the Centre for Teams uh, in the early 2000s. Um, and we have a mission uh, to enable exceptional performance by supporting clients to create uh, sustainable learning organizations, truly adaptable teams and transformational leaders. So this is quite a, an interesting time for us because we're needing to adapt ourselves and support our clients to adapt to an extraordinary time. So it's really good to be here to, to, to share some thoughts that we have and experiences and also perhaps syndicate some of the learning from our clients. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you both on the podcast this morning and both of you with uh, over 20 years of experience of not only coaching, but then also doing a lot of remote coaching. David and I, David's been my executive coach for years. And so I know you're both experienced on the coaching side and on the remote coaching side. And that's the topic of today. I have four questions for you. Why don't we get going with the first question? Uh, David, what do you see as the potential difficulties with remote coaching? Well, um, I think the first is that the technology creates an unusual barrier or potential barrier, yeah. um, as well as an opportunity, of course, but it can operate as a barrier. You, you can't get the same kind of data as you do when you're face to face. I think the focus on preparation, not just logistics, but getting your head in the right place is quite important. So you're really focused. Um, I think getting clients to slow down long enough actually oh, can be quite one. a challenge because they're, you know, everybody's operating at such a pace, particularly at the moment. Um, and a phone call can be very quick. And in fact, a video call can be very quick, but they know that a face to face meeting is going to be a bit longer. So there's something about making sure that you can get them to slow down long enough to, to pause and to reflect. Um, and I don't think people can concentrate for as long uh, as they might be able to do face to face when they're on a virtual call or video call. Uh, I think concentration wanes. So you've got to tailor and fit it to that kind of circumstance. There's quite a few things I think you need to bear in mind. And Chris, you've got some other thoughts as well. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Right, David, thank you. I think just building on what David's already outlined. Uh, one of the first things I think in a remote coaching is it's quite easy to get drawn into the content of a conversation and to remember as a coach that you are responsible for maintaining some authority on the process. So actually moving well through each stage of what many use the Tigro model uh, and actually holding some authority around that. Um, and part of that, I think, in the current context is that just at the moment, there is an awful lot of fear and anxiety in the system. And that can naturally create a desire to sort of get pulled into an operating operational focus. So sort of building on what David said about slowing down to speed up, allowing people that that space to actually pause and reflect on what's truly strategic. Uh, secondly, I think there's a point around it can feel more challenging to operate in a virtual environment, uh, particularly when you've actually never met that person before. Uh, and there's a piece of actually just remembering core coaching principles uh, that actually allow a good coaching conversation to happen. So remember ground rules, actually 
confidentiality, how we're going to work together. But that also may include in a remote environment dealing with distractions, what happens when uh, the cat walks in or your kids walk in. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with a breaking connection? How do you make sure that actually you still maintain trust and rapport in this environment where it's sometimes much harder to see some of the sort of nonverbal social cues? Really important to ask people how they are and perhaps not just accept uh, the word fine as an answer. Listen well, summarize, reflect back, uh, acknowledge emotion that may not be being fully expressed. And finally, remember to challenge, actually, uh, passivity, inconsistency, lack of action. And in that, there is a final piece about just maintaining that sense of trust and rapport. I think it's quite easy in a virtual environment to uh, lose your coaching in the conversation. So you may need to be both more explicit in actually managing the process, and you also may need to create some pauses that actually allow your coaching client to refocus. And actually having the courage just to pause the conversation and say, can we pause for a moment? Since we've been talking, what's interesting you most? And where do we need to move in this conversation that it's most useful for you? A few thoughts. Oh, I like that last one a lot. The, particularly if you're running out of time to be able to reframe it and spend the most valuable time on the most valuable topic. Let me come back to one of your points and see if either of you have uh, insight. Uh, I like the comment around, well, I liked all the comments, but the comment around mindset and approach to prepare for the session as, as coaches or maybe even thinking as leaders going into a coaching session with one of their employees remotely. Do either of you have a tip on how you prepare to get in the right mindset? Is there, do you take 15 minutes? Do you do some breathing? Do you do some go over notes from last time? What are your tips to get ready for a session so that you're in the right mindset? My, um, my tip, do I have a top tip? Uh, I think to review, as always, to review the material from from previous sessions, okay. to get to understand where the flow is going, uh, to think about the context within which they might be operating at this time, particularly at the moment, is very important. Uh, I think on top of that, in a virtual situation, it's really useful to be able to anticipate some of the questions that might come out. Mm -hmm. What I What is it like being a leader in their environment at the moment? What kinds of things do you think may come up and come up in the conversation, given, particularly if you know the person, given their responses in the past? What do you think is going to be prime so that uh, you can be prepared for the questions that they do pose? And it's not to say that you're going to anticipate and therefore structure and plan every last moment of the anticipated session. But I think that kind of preparation is very helpful gets you on task and gets you in the right frame of mind, helps you identify with their position. Ooh, so that's really what good. I, that's the kind of thing that I would do. Yeah. Chris, anything you'd add to that? Uh, I think the other piece I would build on what David has said is uh, take a few minutes, whether it takes you two or three or 15, to be really clear and to recenter yourself of what your job is there in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And to be really clear for yourself, if you're there as a consultant giving advice, that may be part of a relationship, or I'm there as a coach really to draw out their thinking. So actually, you're very centered in your intent in what actually your purpose is as a coach in that environment. I remember having to work with some of the um, 
brigade commanders going off to Afghanistan. And I remember one instance going back to an old place where I was stationed, where actually I almost regressed as I walked back into the barracks in the General's uh, Command HQ. And I actually had to create a pause. I actually made myself go to the bathroom before we actually started the coaching session. And actually just took a moment because I had almost been infected by some of his concern and his worries and the environment. And I needed to pause and remember that I was there not in, in my old world of the military. I was there as this brigade commander's coach to support his thinking in an operational hostile environment of how he was going to respond and react. And actually that created a much better outcome than if I just walked in. Great example. Love that thought of for coaches and leaders listening out there today, the importance of preparation and context, material and intent. Thank you uh, both for that. Let's move on to the second question. I know there's so many good coaching books out there. I'm wondering if you guys had a favorite that you'd want to comment and share with the, the listeners and, and why it's your favorite coaching book. Chris, do you want to start? Uh, very happy to, Rick. So the book I've um, I've got lots of favorite books. Um, <laughs> a, a book that I would recommend, though it is not always the the easiest read, uh, in that it's quite uh, intense, uh, is a book by a man I great respect called Manfred uh, Kitteris. Uh, Ries is spelt V R I E S. It's called Mindful Leadership Coaching. Uh, and uh, Manfred Kitteris has been working in the field of executive coaching for over 30 years. Uh, this uh, book really begins to examine what is really going on for some leaders, uh, their mindset, their context, their environment, and potentially for coaches, how they are best um, able to support substantive and ongoing change for them. Because I think in our coaching conversations, we often talk about change. Uh, and actually seeing that being implemented and sustained is, is sometimes much more challenging. So it's a book I'd recommend. I'd read it in bite-sized chunks, but there is a wealth of really good information there. And I enjoy it and keep looking back to it as just a source of new thought and ideas. Hmm, thank you for sharing that. I did not know about that book, Mindful Leadership Coaching. Thank you. I'll get it. David, your thoughts. Um, in the Centre for Teams, we have uh, a phrase, it's loops, not lines, which addresses the idea that uh, success is never a straight line upwards. Uh, it goes in loops, much more like snakes and ladders. And to that point, there's a brilliant book that I'm rereading, written by, in part by a friend of mine, Tony Page, as well as his colleague and at that time client, Philip Goodwin, called Hippos to Gazelles. And it talks about the change process, process over about 18 months uh, in an international NGO. Um, so it's a fascinating insight as to how a great coaches work with complex systems to create change, but also instill in leaders the kind of ability to influence and to enlist and enroll as the change process unfolds. So it's a fascinating read not, and not very long very instructive for leaders as well as for uh, coaches who work with systems and teams. Wow, you guys are good. I thought I knew most of the coaching books and I know neither of those two. So I'll, I'll get both of those. So thank you for that. All right, third question. Um, tell me about some of the best practices in remote coaching. Now that we've talked about the problems and maybe a good book to read, 
talk to me about some of the best practices in remote coaching. David, why don't you go first? Um, I think there's well, Chris, I think you're going to talk about the process of coaching. Okay. But I, so I'll pick up on the idea of the, the style and the approach, almost mindset okay. and manner. Um, and the first piece, I think, is to be calm, uh, to build an assurance and confidence uh, that the coach he knows what to do. It's just a case of getting on and doing it, because particularly in this context, you can freeze quite easily. Uh, so focusing on action and movement is quite helpful. Also, um, being authentic and real as a coach is important. Being able to role model the kind of approaches that uh, you would wish uh, colleagues and leaders to take is quite helpful. Um, and inject in that process a bit of humor because you know, it kind of lightens the mood, it moves things on. Uh, there's also something about making sure that you have a good level of empathy, particularly in a virtual environment, but clearly important at any event, um, and a strong belief in their coachee in order to be able to, uh, in, in your coachee rather, in order to be able to challenge them rigorously enough. And in the programs that we run alongside you, Rick, in RLG, um, we talk about the fact that intention is all. And Chris, you mentioned it earlier on in this conversation, being really clear about what your intention is when you're engaging with a colleague and with a coachee is really critical. So keep kind of, it's almost tuning that volume up uh, in, a, in a virtual environment. Um, and support the coachee to access what they already know and the spirit and the qualities that they already have in this, perhaps in this time, unusual situation. So something about mindset and approach and thinking about your intention as a coach that's particularly at a premium in a remote uh, or virtual environment. Yeah, well said. And I know, David, being working with you for many years, you coming into the with your preparation and your sense of calmness as a leader so busy and comes in with their thoughts all over, that sense of calmness can help them access what they already know or what they already need to do. So uh, I know you model that very well. So Chris, your thoughts on best practices. Rick, thank you. So building on what David has already said about sort of manner and style and approach, um, this is perhaps just something about the process. Okay. We actually deliver it. Um, so four quick things. The first is actually about preparation. So the, actually remembering to actually really support uh, your coaching clients. Send them out some emails in terms of information around logistics, timings, what they may need to do. Sometimes a question that actually helps them think uh, and perhaps their desired outcome for the session. It just stimulates their thought actually as they're coming into the session. Uh, make sure, you, as we've said before, your technology works and is accessible to both of you. Absolutely no use using Skype or Zoom or any of the virtual um, mediums out there if actually they can't really connect to you. Use the phone instead. Yeah. And as we've already mentioned, do something to prepare yourself that actually gets you in the right mindset for actually working. Um, it's important to ensure that the session is held within a wider context so they recognize they are a part of a program. It's not a one-off. And that will support you in terms of building consistency and continuity and keep some good records. That's in terms of preparation. Uh, at the beginning of the session, 
uh, again, in this environment, sometimes important for ourselves to slow down. So it just helps help to make sure that the coaching client understands how the technology is working and actually how they're going to uh, operate around it. Uh, contract, uh, easy to think that we can just work the same way virtually as we can face-to-face -face if we know each other, but important to recontract about ways of working. And certainly in a home environment, how are you going to deal with distractions? Um, help them close down other applications. Um, and perhaps a question I often ask is, so now we've had this conversation, what else do you need to do to be really present for this conversation? Actually give, give some responsibility over them. And re-clarify, if you need to, the key questions that are going to be addressed. Uh, in the session itself, uh, keep awareness of time, support the coaching client to be aware of time, and manage and hold authority for the process so that you can use that time effectively. Don't be afraid of challenging, particularly in supporting the session to stay on track and enable the coaching client's mind to be focused. And as I mentioned earlier, create some pause points. Uh, we think faster than we speak. We speak at about 100 words a minute. We think at about 450. So creating pauses to actually allow your coaching client just to begin to make sense of what is going on for them and what's occurring can be really useful. And finally, just at the end of the session in terms of process, really is trying to support your coachee to summarize their learning and what they're taking forward. That keeps the energy with them and often helps them build much more confidence in clearly articulating how they're going to move from awareness into pragmatic action. A few thoughts from Eric. Yeah, and so the key on that last point then, Chris, is giving them enough or leaving enough time at the end of the session to kind of move from pragmatic to action and allowing them to kind of have enough time to think through that. And, and sometimes during the session, you're actually already clear or getting clearer on what the action is. But, and I love the contracting thought to just keep contracting and what we're going to talk about today, the questions we're going to review and even during the process to recontract. Very good. So two questions left for both of you gents as we talk about this topic of remote coaching. The first one is, as we sit here in April 2020 and COVID-19, what are the topics that you're coaching leaders on today? That might be helpful for our listeners. What are the big topics? Uh, David, why don't you start us? We, uh, we spent quite a bit of time refining this, the, our response to this, actually, because we're doing a, uh, um, a webinar series on just these very things in order okay. to be able to respond to the questions that clients are asking. The first one for us is what is going on? Um, it's it's a very fast changing environment. What uh, we've referred to earlier uh, in our personal conversations before we started as a VUCA environment, volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex, um, and it's ambiguous. Uh, and that causes an emotional reaction in us all um, that needs to be attended to. Um, so being able to acknowledge that that's what's going on is important, that it is real, um, and but that also that people are going to have an emotional reaction to it. So the question that clients are asking is, what's going on? And is this is this normal? Am I losing my mind? And is everybody else around me losing their mind as well? Right. So, and how do I stay kind of grounded when all of this is going on? Um, I think the second question is, how do I clear my thinking now that I recognize that this is all going on around me? How do I make sure that I'm not 
getting overwhelmed. Um, third one might be, uh, what do I need to do well? What are the few simple things that I need to do really well, given that all of this is going on? Um, and uh, what a client of mine used to call uh, playing your best shots well. What are your best shots? And what do I need to do the simple things really well here? Uh, and finally, for me, um, how do I truly support my team to be really adaptable yeah. and responsive in this environment, not just to react? Um, uh, but you know, in a sense, we're talking about you know, how do I lead and how do I help my team to lead others to maintain trust, focus, motivation, emotional resilience, all those things that go to make up good teamship. So those are the things that, that from my point of view, were, were key questions. Chris, you've got a few additional thoughts as well. Chris, please. Uh, David, Rick, thank you. Um, I, I sense there's uh, quite a few of our clients who are asking initially some quite pragmatic questions. So actually, there's a simply a question of how do I execute really good virtual meetings yeah. and maintain good communication? Uh, we've all had meetings which can leave us energized at the end of it or quite flat. And particularly in this environment, how do I maintain that sort of sense of energy? Uh, and what are some of the disciplines I need to put in place, which are sometimes just good team development disciplines that allow me to communicate well? Uh, there's something about how do I support myself and others to develop what can be a, a more effective learning and operating with them. So the recognition of, of within often a home environment, how do I maintain both an operational focus, but building on David's point of slowing down to speed up, how do I also support a learning rhythm that actually allows me to extract the learning, what I'm taking from my experience, that allows me to do something better next time. Uh, there is quite a lot of conversations about how do we really prepare ourselves for a new future. Uh, things are going to change. Uh, there are implications to what is currently happening financially, economically, socially, uh, and how do I really respond to that and get my people thinking about that? Uh, how do I survive is part of that, and how do I reassure people actually when I myself am uncertain, when I have my own concerns or worries or my own perhaps imposter syndrome or fear of being able to step up into that place? Um, and in terms of that, how do I support myself and my people to think both long-term and medium-term and not just on the immediate urgency and action of the short-term, offsetting sort of speed with good governance and accountability? And I think the final question is, is the sort of sense of how do I deal with the open-ended nature of this crisis? Uh, there is so much that we don't know in terms of time, in terms of going back to work, how do I manage that uncertainty and support myself and my team to work well within it? Yeah, Chris, really well articulated. Um, and my sense is that uh, people are, at, you know, we're start just starting as we sit here on April 13th, 2020, to uh, be able to start moving out of crisis or reactive mode and starting to stabilize and rebound and asking some of those big questions. So I think as leaders are listening to this, you can, you're not the only one that have these worries. Uh, Chris and David have articulated uh, some of the topics that leaders are starting to think through and, 
everything from being overwhelmed and how can I be for my best for my people and how can I help them think forward and to rebound out of this. So really well articulated. Uh, thanks for that uh, context too. Um, let me give you guys the last question and what advice here we, as we sit in April 2020, what advice do you have for leaders to help us all come out of this crisis successfully? David, do you want to go first? Thanks, Rick. Just picking up from where uh, I left off. Okay. It is a very fast-changing environment. Um, being able to accept that it is fast-changing and that it's very unnerving yes. is critical. And encouraging other people not to go into denial, regression through the emotional response, I think is critical. It is real. It is happening. We yes. do need to lead in this context. I think is absolutely essential. Yes. Uh, don't freeze. That's the last thing you need to do. Um, the second thing is retain your humanity. There have been some reactions. Very interesting seeing different businesses react in different ways. And I think uh, the public and customers and clients will remember what you did in response to mm. this crisis. So be careful about what you do because it speaks volume for your own humanity. And people are attracted by uh, good acts. Uh, so uh, be, be cautious about the choices that you make because they become quite public. Um, I think there's something about slowing down the speed up. We mentioned it a couple of times already, uh, but I think that's critical. Um, and making sure you're building that rhythm into the pace of your day, your week, your month for yourself as well as for your people so that they don't lose the thread uh, and they don't stop learning how to respond well and how to lead. Um, I think that's those are the kinds of bits of advice that, that I would offer. And Chris, you've got some thoughts as well. Uh, thank you, David. Rick, so just building on what David said, mm -hmm. uh, I think there is a, a tendency in the current sort of crisis and the nature of it or the potential for people to almost offer themselves excuses. And actually, we would invite leaders and their teams to set really high expectations. This is not actually a time for people to sit back. It's a time for people to step in. And actually setting expectations for yourself and your team, having conversations about actually what you want to look back on in terms of a feeling of we responded well, establishing those expectations can be very helpful. And really clarifying some very clear common goals that actually you have shared, worked out together with your team and your people, and remembering to refresh them, because this is about almost trimming the flight of an aircraft. It will need constant adjustment, but set a goal because that creates focus. Um, we would really invite people to really, in, certainly in this environment uh, and more widely, to practice shared and distributive leadership that really supports um, the wider team and your people to fully engage with innovatively solving problems together. There can be a natural tendency for leaders to feel that they need to be the hero oh. or heroine and step up and do it for themselves. Actually get your team to actually work with this problem together and support them to step up into their own leadership. Uh, penultimately, uh, build a, a real belief in success Actually, support your team to really connect and remember some of their own experiences of challenge and their own ability to work through them, their own great qualities, their own immense resourcefulness and capability. 
It's very easy for us to feel someone's disenfranchised from our experience and our wisdom at such a time. Help people remember it and actually to bring their best to it. And, and finally, I think a point of just recognizing that this situation is not of anyone's making. Yeah. The whole world is going through this. So leaders should not uh, ever blame themselves or necessarily anybody else for messing up. They haven't. However, this is also not an excuse to languish in a some sense of victim mentality. Mm -hmm. that it's been done unto me. This is from us a real sense of, of a leadership challenge. It is about how you choose to respond to this challenge. And our proposition is that is your responsibility. So be mindful of your language, be mindful of your mindset, and be mindful of what you're role modeling to others as this situation unfolds. Wow. Nailed it, gentlemen. Really appreciate your time today. Those last few comments, if, if uh, listeners uh, would replay that over and over again, your advice is uh, spot on. And um, really appreciate you joining me today and spending your valuable time. And all the best in the future, gentlemen. Have a great day. Have a great week. That's great. Thank you very much, Rick. All the best to you. Yeah, cheers, David. Cheers, Chris. Wasn't that a wonderful conversation with David and Chris, a couple of real professionals with deep insights into the current situation and how to coach others and coach others remotely. And uh, I hope that uh, you as listeners will be able to apply some of the principles that you heard today. So some final thoughts. Be calm, be mindful, and be intentional. Our invitation to you as leaders is to don't freeze. Fully accept the current situation. Step in, lean in, and most importantly, have regular one-on-one -on -one check-ins with your employees, with your team members. Whether you're a small team, big team, try to make time for these one-on-ones. We've all revised our operating rhythm in group meetings. I think uh, people are doing terrific with that on April 2020. Uh, but our invitation today is to do more remote coaching that you will you will get uh, besides goodwill with your employees, you will get increased engagement and increased performance, which will help you and your company rebound stronger during April 2020. That's our counsel and insights today. I hope you've enjoyed uh, the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know there's many. <laughs> Uh, pressures and invitations for your time and grateful that you were able to stick with us and listen to that. This was a remote podcast on remote coaching for your employees as leaders. Until next time, live a life of sustainable continuous improvement. Goodbye. <music>